I want to talk to you a little bit about a message I've simply called Beyond the Grave. What does it mean to think beyond all the events that have happened? There are several things that take place in this story. And I'm actually going to use all the different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and pull out little pieces about Easter that I think we can identify with and connect with. And we'll walk through it together. And I, if you have a bulletin, please go to the back of your program there. It has my outline on it if you want to fill in the blanks. If nothing else, you'll know when I'm almost done, and that will encourage you, see? So you can please feel free to, to do that. I, I think the first thing that I want you to write down in your outline is this. When all you see is the cross, when all you see is the cross, because I want to talk about the cross for a few moments. The cross is a very big part of Easter. We have Good Friday, which is the, the remembering of the suffering of Jesus and what he endured on the cross, dying for our sins. We move into resurrection morning like this where they found the tomb empty. But if all you see is the cross, it becomes a big challenge, and the story is very sad. Let me just read it to you. This is a pretty daunting text. In Luke chapter 23... If you have a Bible, Luke 23, verse 44, it says this. By this time it was noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. It's not supposed to be dark during those hours, but it was. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the thick veil hanging in the temple was torn apart. Then Jesus shouted, and that word means he proclaimed it with his last breath. Father! I entrust my spirit into your hands. With those words, he breathed his last. When the captain of the Roman soldiers handling the execution saw what had happened, and who knows how many of these he's seen, he knew this one was different. He praised God and he said, surely this man was innocent. This man was the son of God. And when the crowd that came to see the crucifixion, saw all that had happened, they went home in deep, what? Sorrow. They went home in deep sorrow, and rightly so. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Just, just that text alone makes me really wonder what it must have been like to be there in that moment these women from a distance with this reflection of Jesus on a cross, knowing that he is dying and now gone on. The people who were there, the silence, the darkness, the challenges that that would bring into my life, I can't even imagine. When all you see is the cross, you feel, number one, sorrowful. The text even says that they felt their, their hearts were filled with sorrow. There's grief there. Now, sorrow is a good thing for the right reasons. It's good when we see this symbol, when we see a cross, and we have these everywhere now. All churches have them. This was from my office upstairs, and, and I love this cross. And every time I see it, I remember the suffering of Jesus. But it always makes me feel sorrowful if that's where I stop. If I didn't have today, if I didn't have resurrection and all it was was the cross, man, it would not be a very happy story. Another thing that they felt because all they saw at this point was the cross was confused. They were very confused because they really believed Jesus was coming to set up his kingdom. 
He was going to overthrow Rome, and he was going to be the Messiah and rule on the earth. So all of a sudden, he's really dead. He's really gone. I don't think they expected that, even though he tried to tell them. What's the purpose of his death if they only see the cross? The third thing is powerless. You know, there was, there was nothing that anyone could do to stop the process. They couldn't rush in and overthrow Rome. They couldn't. It's just a terrible feeling to feel powerless. If you've ever been there, it's, it's an awful feeling. And so they were just filled with despair. And they were at the end. And they didn't really know what else to do. And that's what happens so often. If you only see the cross in your religious life. Some of you, maybe you don't do church that often. Maybe you're here as a guest of a friend. And when you think about Jesus or God, you think about the cross and it just grosses you out because of the way he died, he suffered, he bled. What's the point of all that? Jesus died on the cross to atone. That's a, that's a big word that means he took our place for our sin. He became the atonement that will release us from the sin that we have in our own lives. The second thing in your notes is when all you see is the stone. The cross is a part of the, the Easter story. A big part. And so is the stone. It's actually talked about in a couple different passages. I want to take you to Mark 16, verses 1 through 3, and I want to read what was going on with the stone. The next evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Salome and Mary the mother of James went out and purchased burial spices to put on Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they came to the tomb. On the way there, they were discussing who would roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. Now, that's fascinating because they were already worried. They were already concerned because of the image of the stone. Now, we, we went out and got about an 800-pound stone that's going to sit here, but I'll, I'll try to lift it up. <laughs> yeah. I've been working out for Easter. No, this is really plastic, as you can tell. But here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about the stone, really, in the Bible. It's the thing that kept them from getting to Jesus, right? They said, who's going to move away the stone? In other words, we can't get there with the stone there. And I started thinking about that in your life and mine, and I started thinking about what are the stones in modern-day world right now that keep me from getting to Jesus, that keep me from believing, that keep me from exercising my faith, and I started thinking about a whole bunch of stuff because if this stone comes between you and me, then I can't see clearly. Like, like watch this. You guys right over there? <laughs> You're gone. Hello. <laughs> see, it's just, a, it's just a matter of a few inches, and I can't see you anymore. The stone blocks it out. And I think there's a lot of people walking around doing life like this, and all they see is the stone. They can't see over the hill. They can't get a grasp through faith to say, I'm going to trust that I can take it there. I was reading some stats this week about um, worry. And it depends on who you look at and what research you look at if you Googled it. But it's anywhere from 90 to 93% of what you worry about doesn't happen. A couple other sites say 82 to 87% of what you worry about never happens. I mean, you guys, that is a real waste of worry. Would you agree? If I'm going to worry that much about it, I want it to happen. Right? <laughs> no. No, of course you don't want it to happen. That's the point. But here's the deal. We worry. They were worried. Think about this in the story. These ladies were on their way, and their discussion going there is, what about the stone? 
We're not going to be able to get it. Can you move it? No, I can't move it. Can you? Who knows how long they talked about this. And the whole time they were walking, it was already gone. What does that say to you and me? It says that we keep walking. When we don't see, when we don't understand, when we don't know why it didn't happen or it did happen, the big question that so many, you know, God-haters in the world ask right now, how could a loving God let something like that happen? It's, it's like they're, they're wanting to put the blame over on God. I just want to tell you, God so loved the world, he gave his son. He gave his son to die on a cross and go in a tomb. That's why I don't want one of those stones to come between you and Jesus. Lots of stones. I, I look at people who go through relationships, marriage, divorce, dating, the challenges in your life right now can become a stone. They can become the very things that block the view of God, and you can't see him clearly. Finances is a huge thing. I've seen people so worried about money that they can't see God. They can't find God. They're on a path of destruction, just trying and trying. It's, it's like habits. Addictions can do this. I was, uh, I was talking with my son this past week, and he lives in Scottsdale, and he knows that I love good quotes. And he said, Dad, I think you're going to like this quote. And he, he sent it to me, and it's this. It's with habits. It says, quote, habits start out like cobwebs and then end up like cables. As, as I thought about that, I, I realized that can be good or bad. If you have a really good habit that you're nurturing and you're developing, then that, those cables can hold you up when the storm comes, right? But if you develop bad habits, bad thinking, bad patterns, it starts out like a little cobweb, but before you know it, it stretches you out like cables and it owns you, and you cannot escape. And I think that's what happens to so many people. All they see is the stone. All they see is the stuff that they worry about. Number one, you feel worried if all you see is the stone. And you just worry and you fret. And you try to pray about it, but it doesn't help. Number two, you feel inadequate. And that's a really bad feeling to feel inadequate. Because when you feel inadequate, there's nothing really you can do to just get better. I remember about, oh, I don't know, it's been like 10 years ago now. Bonnie and I moved to a different house, and the landscaping wasn't done. And so she was excited because she's kind of got this idea, all these ideas of landscaping. It's wonderful. She's good at it. But she likes to see things in place, like to see if she likes it. Like, I think I've changed our living room about 100,000 times. Anybody else relate to this, you know? And she's like, honey, can we just move it all over here? Because I think I want it like this, so we move it all over there. No. Well, then why did we just move it? Well, I needed to see it there. Well, I could, I could, I could do it the first time and be just fine with it. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, it's a lot prettier when she does it. Anyway, we had a friend who said, I've got all these moss rock. If you want them, I'll sell them to you really cheap. The big, big moss rock. And so uh, they brought him over on this big truck and had this, like, forklift tractor thing and uh, pulls up these big old rocks. And, and now we're having to place them in the yard. Okay? And so I'm just watching all this happen. And Bonnie's like, okay, here. She has to move a few. And finally we get them all in place. Everything's happened. They leave. The truck leaves. A few days go by. We're out in the backyard. She says, Terry, come here for a second. Well, I walk over there. She said, you see this rock right here? This is like an 800-pound rock, okay? I'm not exaggerating. Maybe more. She said, could you move that about four feet right over here? <laughs> I said, Bonnie, no, I can't move that rock. She said, oh, yes, you can. I know you can do it. Just give it a try. <laughs> so 
I appreciate the confidence, baby, but I can't do it. <laughs> Inadequacy. Oh, you just feel useless. They couldn't make it happen. It's frustrating. The third thing is helpless. When all you see is the stone, you just, you're overwhelmed. It's, it's almost like driving up. I've had two times in my life when I've seen lots of automobile accidents, but I've seen two really serious ap- accidents that happened in front of me with death involved. And to get out of the car and run to the site and to try to help when you're helpless and there's nothing you can do, it's the sickest feeling ever because you can't do anything. And I think that they felt this. Here is this man who died, who they loved. He's in the tomb. They don't know what to do. They are helpless. It's overwhelming. Number three, when all you see is the grave. Now, it's still kind of a discouraging story because the cross is really bad, the stone is really bad, the grave is even worse. Because once you're in the grave, you're not coming out. Right? I mean, do you ever like walk through a graveyard and go, I wonder how many people walked out of here today? Probably not. It's just, it's not going to happen. Right? They're gone. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Very early on Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb. Taking the spices they had prepared, they found that the stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. Wow. So they went in, but they couldn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They were puzzled, trying to think what could have happened to it. Suddenly, two men appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. They were angels. The women were terrified, and they bowed low before them. Then the men asked, why are you looking in a tomb for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Do you remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day? And notice this line. Then they remembered that he had said this. See, when you're in despair, you can't, you can't feel hope and you can't get your head around it because you're not thinking properly. So they rushed back to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. The women who went to the tomb were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several others. They told the apostles what had happened. Look at verse 11. But the story sounded like what? Nonsense. So they didn't believe it. Now, have you, have you ever told someone the truth and they didn't believe you? That's annoying. It's just annoying. They, they, they knew it was true. and they, I don't know if they pleaded with them to remember it, but the story sounded like nonsense. Well, it would, it would have sounded like nonsense to us too. You know, we're all these years later it's after the fact, and, and we know all the facts of the story. So we, by faith, accept that. But if you're there in real time and you watch someone die, it's pretty unlikely that you're going to get excited about a report that they're back alive again. I want to go see for myself. You guys, Jesus does not push away the doubters. I just want to say to someone today, right here, right now, if you're doubting, if you're unsure, Jesus loves you. And he can help you move beyond the grave. Because when all you see is the grave, you feel fearful, number one in your outline there. And fear will take you out. When you get fearful, you'll get paralyzed. You won't know what to do. It'll be like a what now moment in your life. Secondly, despair moves in. And, and once despair moves in, that's death itself to you, not just to Jesus. And when your spirit man doesn't have life in it, it's hard to face life. And then the third one is hopeless. 
When all you see is the grave, you feel pretty hopeless. I might as well just quit. It doesn't matter anymore. There's some of you who have that kind of self-talk going on in your life right now. I just want to say this to you. This day, Easter, resurrection, is about you understanding that God has a plan for your life. And there is a mantle on you for something more than you know. And whether you believe it or not, it's still true. Trust him with something more. Believe in him and see that God will take you places you could never go in and of yourself. Wow. Well, let's go lastly. Number four in your outline, when you see beyond the grave, you truly see the Lord. You got to get through the cross and you got to get through the stones in your life. You got to get through the death and the grave and all of that, but then you're going to have a glimpse at who the Lord really is. In John chapter 20, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's a funny passage. Now, I know that I see humor in places no one else does, but John wrote the book of John. Everybody get that? But he doesn't say me or I. He says the other disciple. When he talks about himself, he talks about the other disciple. That's him. Or he says the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's his other little phrase. But that means it's him who is talking. So let me just read this. Peter and the other disciple, who would that be? John. Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb to see. The other disciple, who's that? John. Outran Peter and got there first. <laughs> this is the Bible. He's writing the word of God. Of course, he doesn't know it, but he's saying, I'm fast. I can run, baby. Peter, not so much. Just, just want you to know in the story, we've got to get it right, that we both ran, but I kicked his tail. That's just hilarious. There's no purpose for that. Well, there might be. Let's look at the next verse. He, he stooped and looked in, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. You know, he gets there first, but he doesn't go in. Look at this. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying to the side. Then the other disciple also went in. He saw and believed. For until then, they hadn't realized the, scripture, the scriptures had said that he would rise from the dead, and they went home. Wow, what a story. It was true. It had really happened. Jesus was alive. He shows up later, talks to Mary, presents himself. Hundreds of people saw him before his ascension into heaven to be with the Father, where he is now interceding for you and me. That's why we're here celebrating today. Just uh, about a couple months ago, I, uh, I was out in my garage. Now, I have a little workbench space. It's not very big at all, literally. I mean, it's like this wide. And, and there's some cabinets over here and a little workbench over here. And I was working on something. I don't even remember what. And the garage door was up and a little bird flew in. And this bird flew in and it got real nervous because it realized it was trapped. And I'm thinking, the garage door is pretty big. I think you can get out. <laughs> so he goes up and he lands on this little truss thing up in the top of my roof. And, and I'm thinking, you need to go out because I'm going to be shutting the garage door here before long. And so he, he, I kind of go over to him and it kind of scares him. And he flies and he's going right perfectly to go outside. But he flies up too soon and hits the top of the garage door. And I'm like... This is a dumb bird. There's, 
There's like freedom. Can't you see the sky? You know, I mean, he, and he does this like three or four times. He keeps hitting right almost out, and then he hits it. And so now he's back over in his little spot. So I got this big cardboard thing I'm trying to like scare him out. Then I open the other garage door. Now this is becoming my whole new project in life is saving this bird. And I'm thinking, I want to save you, okay? I care about you. I, I want to make a difference here, but I don't know what else to do. You keep flopping around and running into stuff, and you're going to be dead before you know it if you stay on this path. <laughs> I was so happy, finally, when I got that bird to fly out into freedom. And I just thought of Jesus. Jesus came to save you. How often do you flop around? You fly into stuff. You beat your head against the wall. You try it your own way. You won't listen to his voice. You won't take the counsel. And you just keep hammering yourself in life. Jesus wants to save you. That's his goal. That's why he came. Because he loves you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you came to save us. To seek and save those who are lost. Thank you, God, for saving me from the traps I have flown into, for caring about my life when no one else did. I trust you today, Lord, fully. I give you my life. I surrender to you. I want to pray for some of you today who need to just say yes to God. You need to stop rushing away from him and run to him and trust his hands on your heart. Now, I need to tell you this with your heads bowed. All the great music, God's word, though it never comes back void, can never take the place of the gentle tug of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's why here at Timberline, we call this room our living room, where we talk about life. People cry in this room. People laugh in this room. It's a room where big decisions are made because the Holy Spirit tugs on hearts in this room. And I want you to let him do that today. If you know there's sin in your life that separates you from God, could I just lead you in a prayer that confesses that sin, that you could let him save you. Just say something like this, Lord Jesus, I trust you with my future. I need you. I do believe today, right now, in this moment, you died for my sin to save me. I release my life to you. I don't know exactly what that means, Lord, but I will try to give you all that I am by faith. I believe you are the Son of God, and you died and rose from the dead, and I give you my future. Secondly, I want to pray for some of you who really, you, you need some new hope for your situation today. Easter is about new beginnings. It's about new life. And some of you are stuck. You would say you love God and you're trusting him, but you're just stuck. And today's a day when new life can come and faith can arise in your spirit, man. And you can say, I'm going to trust God with this again. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to have hope again. How many of you need that? You just need that. Hold your hand up if that's you. I just want to pray over you. God bless you. You may put your hands down. South Auditorium, same thing. Just lift up your hand. Okay. You can put them down. Lord, we as a church pray for one another right now. We pray for that hope that you can bring in a powerful way. We need it. We trust you. 
repair the damage in our lives and help us to have a new beginning today that starts over, that we walk out of this room saying, I have hope for tomorrow. I'm gonna trust God in this mess and he's gonna show up and make the difference. We love you, Lord Jesus. We count it a joy to call you friend and savior. In your precious name we pray, amen. He is risen. <laughs> Our prayer team is going to come and they'll be up here to pray with any need you might have. If you've accepted Christ today, we have a packet on both sides up here with a Bible and just some information to help you get started. Don't be afraid to come up and take one of those home with you today. We would love if you would do that. And remember as you leave, the service starts now. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for coming to Timberline. Be careful getting out of here.